are listening to the podcast of the White Church at the Elk River YMCA in Minnesota. Our mission is to seek Jesus, connect together, and share His love. Merry Christmas, everybody. Our first scripture reading comes from Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 20. The birth of Jesus. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house in the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, The shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Our second reading comes from Revelation chapter 5, verses 11 through 14. Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels, numbering thousands upon thousands and ten thousand times ten thousand. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elder. In a loud voice they sang, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain, to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them singing to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. The four living creatures said, Amen, and the elders fell down and worshiped. Thank you, Aaron, for sharing scripture with us on Christmas Eve. Christmas Eve 2020 is not one that we will soon forget, that's for sure. And perhaps amidst all that is different this year, it is encouraging and comforting to remember some of those traditions and memories of the past. One of my personal favorites is setting up the nativity scene 
it's something I, you know, have great memories of as a kid. And now I have my own kids and we set up the nativity scene in our living room. I wanted to share with you today. The nativity scene that we have in our house is extra special for us because it's from the town where my wife is from in Germany. She's actually from a little farming village outside of town. But then this is the town that they go to for groceries or church or errands and all those kinds of things. These nativity pieces are hand-carved there in a little shop that sits right across the bridge over the Tauber River. So for us, thousands of miles from the other half of our extended family, this nativity scene holds a very special place in our hearts. And today on Christmas Eve, I want to highlight two of the characters, the figures, in the nativity scene, a shepherd and an angel. And I thought, you know, at first blush, these two figures, you know, they couldn't be more different from each other. The shepherds in the story are simple, ordinary, probably hadn't taken a shower in quite a while. And then you have the angels, on the other hand, and they're majestic and awe-inspiring and literally out of this world as they enter this Christmas story. It's no surprise then that the shepherds, being who they are, just hit the deck in the story when they're out there in the fields and the angels show up. These two couldn't be more different from each other. And yet what struck me this year in my Bible reading here in the month of December is just how similar, in some ways, the angels and shepherds actually are. I only started to put this together because... I was reading the book of Revelation. Many of you have been doing our annual Bible reading plan. This year, the one we selected was called Project 51. And we'll have a new option, by the way, too, in case you're wondering. We'll release that next week as we start to make our way towards 2021. But this year, it was Project 51, and it took us in our reading all the way through the New Testament and the book of Psalms. Well, of course, as we're finishing the New Testament here in the month of December, it has had us in Revelation, which is the last book of the Bible. And Revelation is notoriously difficult to understand. I had one conversation with a couple this week who said, essentially, help, we're reading the book of Revelation and we really can't make heads or tails of it. And I said, I am right there with you in the same boat. So someday we're going to have to study Revelation together on Sunday mornings and in our Y groups. I think that would be great to do. But the reason Revelation is so hard to understand is that it is an apocalyptic book of the Bible. So it's got all kinds of what we would consider strange symbolism and prophecy that's looking at the end times when Jesus returns. And yet it was in reading this apocalyptic book of the Bible this year in December that a light bulb went on for me in the Christmas story. Because of all years, I think 2020 has felt like kind of an apocalyptic year. And Revelation just came alive in new ways. And so here's what I'd like to do with us on Christmas Eve in our time together in Scripture, is that we would look at the shepherds and angels in Luke 2, then that we would look at the angels and elders in Revelation 5, and finally, that we would find our place in this story, to find in this year some kind of footing, some perspective in what has been a most incredible of years. 
So as the story begins, we'll start in Luke 2. I'm reminded here of just how God steps into real time and the real world today, just as he did back then. It says, as the story opens there in Luke chapter 2, in those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree. I was reading an article this week by a professor in Canada who was saying this, one day, many, many books will be written about 2020. I thought that was so accurate to give us some sense of the historical perspective and weight of this time that we're living through this year. And maybe one day one of those books will start by saying, in those days in 2020, as it looks back on this time. But even some of the other details in the Christmas story sound familiar. You know, Caesar Augustus could be compared to governors and presidents and senators and world leaders. Caesar's decree, you might say, was a sort of executive order or a White House briefing or something like the pharmaceutical announcements then that we have seen lately. One thing that is the same in both the Christmas story and our own time today is that it was the year of a census, both as Caesar issued that decree and here in our own country in 2020. So there's many, many details listed here that remind us of just how God will enter into real time and real space in the messiness and politics and problems of this world, and he enters this story in the realness and messiness of a baby born in a stable. And then God summoned some of the most unlikely guests to come and see the Savior that had been born. Maybe like my wife's farming village in Germany, there were shepherds who were outside the village on the fields that night keeping watch over their flocks. About as unexpected as God sending his son as a baby in a manger, their field gets just lit up as the angels burst onto the scene. I almost picture something like a meteorite bursting into the ground, an explosion of light out of nowhere as the angels show up. And the shepherds, they're going to be the first ones to find out this news. At first, they're going to have to get themselves up off the ground and listen. The angel of the Lord says, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And then a great company of the heavenly host, that means an army of angels appeared and start praising God. And now listen to this. They're praising God and they're saying, glory to God in the highest. There's a key phrase there I'd like us to catch. They're praising God and saying glory. Hold on to that. Hold on to that as we fast forward in the story. The shepherds hurry into town to see the baby. And I want you to see how they respond. It says then the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God. In so many ways, the shepherds and angels couldn't be more different from each other. But how significant that their response to God entering the story is the same. As I said, I was reading the book of Revelation this month as we finished Project 51. And the other thing that happened to spark the connection was somewhere in these past weeks in Advent 2, I was listening to a Christmas worship album. One of the songs had this little line in it. It went, 
we join with angels and elders. And maybe because I'd been reading Revelation, it just instantly caught my attention. Here we had a Christmas album with this allusion to Revelation and one of what is considered the most incredible chapters in Scripture. So turn with me next to Revelation chapter 5, where we had the second of our two readings. The Apostle John in Revelation is given this vision of the future when Christ returns. And while significant portions of Revelation are pretty complex, it can be hard to understand, chapter 5 is for the most part pretty straightforward, and it is this description of the throne room of heaven. Uh, the whole chapter really is something that you should read. But for our brief time, we just picked it up there in verse 11, where John looks and hears the voices of many angels. He says they number thousands upon thousands and 10,000 times 10,000. The Greek word that's used there is the word myriad. The Greek word myriad was the highest number that they had in the Greco-Roman world. So literally, John is saying there are myriads upon myriads of angels. There are so many that there's no number on earth that is high enough to describe it. It's almost like the shepherd's field was a preview of this greater event to come. There it was a great company of the heavenly host. And in Revelation, it's so many angels, John says, that they cannot even be counted. There they were in the field. Now they're encircling the throne together with the living creatures. There's these four living creatures described in Revelation 5 together with the elders and then listen to what the angels are saying in a loud voice. It says, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive. And now kids, as I list these, see if you can count how many there are to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Were you able to count along? How many did you get? If you got seven, that is the correct number in this list. And seven is a really important number in the Bible. It means this list is perfectly complete. It's called the sevenfold praise of the Lamb. And the Lamb, we remember, is Jesus. So here are all these angels speaking these words of praise before Jesus' throne. And I just wonder if some of them were thinking back to that open field that night outside of Bethlehem, where they sang glory to God in the highest on the night that Jesus was born. The last two words in that list of seven that we have in Revelation 5, they should also catch our attention because they sound pretty familiar from the Christmas story. Remember what we read about the shepherds? After seeing Jesus, it said they were glorifying and praising God. And here the angels are saying what before his throne? They're saying glory, and praise. Those words in heaven then set off the rest of all of creation in the last verses of what Aaron read for us. And you can watch for our two key words that we focused in on. Here's every creature on earth beginning to say the following. To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. And then it concludes as the four living creatures said, Amen, and the elders fell down and worshipped. At Christmas, it was the shepherds. Here, it's the elders. And in both cases, 
there were angels. Where do we find ourselves in this story? So we've studied a bunch of scripture now, and now we really have to ask, okay, what bearing does this have? Between the shepherds and the angels and the elders, where am I found in this story? What's my response to the baby in Bethlehem and the king of all creation? There's something about this year that has had what feels like a jarring effect. Have you ever thought that you were going to have a drink of water, let's say, and you didn't know that there was actually milk in the glass? Have you ever had your taste buds totally surprised that way? Or you're expecting one thing and then it's something completely different? When we started 2020, it was a new year. It was even a new decade. We had hopes and plans and routines, even just the ordinary routines that we expected just like any other year. Things around school or sports and activities, work, family life, get-togethers. We had vacations or trips that were planned. Even just the ordinary stuff of running errands or going out for dinner or going to see a relative or over to somebody's house. Those things all got turned upside down this year. Some of us even facing huge shifts in our work, in our industry, or very personally maybe in our income. Some of us have had loved ones pass away this year. I was talking with a dear 80-year-old woman on the phone this week who was sharing with me that her best friend died of COVID-19 alone in the hospital. And she was just telling me how she couldn't even go to be with her best friend as she was dying. And on the phone, she just sounded so lost, so disoriented by all that had happened. Still others of us have had the chaos of 2020 only compounded by completely other challenges or changes or illnesses. You thought it was a glass of water this year, but it has turned out to be anything but that. This year has had indeed a jarring and jolting effect for many of us. And it's maybe had you asking some really big questions, some big questions about your life, looking for hope, looking for perspective, some kind of direction, maybe feeling as disoriented as my 80-year-old friend was on the phone. How do we make sense of this? How do we find ourselves in this story? How do we find ourselves in a Christmas that looks so different? Well, I think we may do well to take our cues from the angels and the elders. You know, because if I'm anybody in this story, it would be a shepherd. Simple, ordinary, some days probably where my wife is wondering when I last showered. <laughs> but seriously, I think I've learned from these characters in the Christmas story that my little life here on this earth is just a snippet of a much greater story that God created me for, that he created you for. Sometimes we need to be reminded of the book of Revelation, that Jesus did not just come to be born on Christmas, but he came to die on a cross and to be set upon a throne. 2020 is really just the manifestation of a broken world that is full of broken people. You remember how the story begins. God created us to be in perfect relationship with him. 
His creation, existing to praise and glorify His name. But we revolted. We we rebelled. Yeah, who is there among us who can say, I am without sin? In our hearts, we feel the weight of what Scripture says, that all have fallen short of the glory of God. All of us. We're simple, ordinary, messy shepherds in need of a Savior. So God sent His Son into the world to live a perfect, sinless life and to provide the way by which we can be saved. How to get out of one dead-end story and into the one that we were created for. That's why Jesus came and died for us, so we can be forgiven and have everlasting life, wholeness in Christ. Some of you, I know, have read The Chronicles of Narnia by C.S. Lewis. It's a series of seven books for children. And in the very last of the books, in the very last lines, actually at the end of their earthly lives, here's what it says. But for them, it was only the beginning of the real story. All their life in this world had only been the cover and the title page. Now, at last, they were beginning chapter one of the great story, which no one on earth has read, which goes on forever, in which every chapter is better than the one before. My friends, there's a better chapter ahead, and it is not 2021. It is the throne room of heaven where all of this will be set in order and set right. And you and I will be next to shepherds and angels and elders, praising and glorifying the Lamb who was slain. 2020 has brought us to our knees, but never in the way that Jesus will. And so I wonder if you're able, if we could end our time in Scripture today on this Christmas Eve, by kneeling in prayer. It just feels like the right place to be as we bring this year to a close. So let's, let's bow before our King. Lord Jesus, tonight, Christmas Eve night, we celebrate your birthday. But it is you, Lord, who gives us new life. We confess our sin and our need for a Savior, and we rejoice in the good news of salvation that was declared for all who will put their trust in you. In all of the pain and confusion of this year, Lord, we put our trust in you, and we praise and glorify your name with shepherds, with angels, and elders. We love you, Lord Jesus. We pray in your name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Y Church Podcast. For more information about the Y Church, check us out online at thewychurch.org.